Christ Fellowship, happy Mother's Day. Man, what a wonderful song that is. In fact, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for His blessing over us as we open His Word. Father, we are just so grateful, God. Father, Your favor is upon us, on our children, on our children's children. And Lord, for thousands of generations, Lord, You've been with Your people and You will never abandon us. And so, Father, we recognize your faithfulness and we give you honor and praise today. And so, Father, as we open up your truth, Father, I pray that you would give us the eyes to see what you have to teach us. And may our lives, Lord, be adjusted to your truth and live lives that glorify you. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people say Amen, Christ Fellowship. Well, great to be here today. Welcome. My name is Omar, and I serve as a lead pastor here at CF. And I want to take the time to welcome everyone right now watching us at our local campus all throughout Miami. They're watching us live right now, as well as everyone online. In fact, family, let's go ahead and show some big love right now to our campuses. And we love you all so much. And today we are continuing the study through the Gospel of Mark, and we've been looking at some hard passages in this Gospel. And what we have been learning is when Jesus teaches us, when taught us truth, when He taught us truth, you know, He never uh, sugarcoated it, but rather He was straight up with us. And so today we're going to be learning on the value and the importance of marriage. And so whether you're single, you're divorced, you are married, it doesn't matter. I really believe we have a lot to learn from God's Word today. And so wherever you find yourself, open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, verse 6 through 9, and you can follow along with me as I read, all right? Listen to what God's Word says. But from the beginning of creation, God made the male and female. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has what, church family? Joined. Has what? Joined. Yes, has joined together. Let no man separate. That is God's word. You can go into conceit everybody at all campuses. And I want to take the time to, again, say a happy Mother's Day to all of our moms, our grandmothers, our mom figures, everyone right now who's a mom in one way, shape, or form. In fact, let's give it up for them again. Hey, we love you moms. Thank you for being here today. And I also want to um, say happy Mother's Day to my wonderful wife, Ashley, uh, who's been a terrific mom to our little girl, Camila. We cannot wait to uh, meet our next uh, baby in later on in October, but I, but on this Mother's Day, I want to just spend some time just celebrating my mom. And uh, as many of you know, you know, early on, my mom and and dad got separated, and so she was a single mom for a good portion of my childhood. But even so, listen, she was the best mom I could ever ask for. In fact, can I take the time to celebrate my mom for just a little bit? Can I do that on this Mother's Day? Yeah. You know, one thing that my mom has always done was sacrifice herself for me. In fact, I have some pictures just to, yeah, that was me right there, the blondie right there. 
And uh, ever since I was a little boy, you know, she has sacrificed so much to put me in a Christian school since I was a little kid so I could begin to learn the things of God. You know, growing up, she would always take me to baseball games. That's me in the chunky Potter's uniform right there. If we could pop right there for just a moment, this is me in um, SeaWorld. And uh, I was a chunky, huge kid. And I didn't want to walk. So I had my mom push me around in a stroller that I didn't fit in all over. Talk about sacrifice right there, right? Pushing me all, all the time. And, uh, you know, every single day, I remember just her go, traveling to work, always bring me little, little thing just, just to help me remember that she was thinking about me all day. And she even funded my, my hobby of baseball card collecting. And so much money she poured into it so I could have my baseball cards. But all the things that, all that, all the sacrifice, you know, I've been very thankful to my mom. But the most important thing and is, is, is that it's this, is that my mom has been a God-fearing woman who has been faithful to raise me in the ways of the Lord since I was a child. And, uh, and it's largely due to her devotion to the Lord that I am the man that I am today. And so I am just very thankful. In fact, my mom is here today. In fact, can you stand up, mom? And let's, let's just give it up for my mom. I love you, mom, for all that you've done for me. And so, you know, I was just thinking back on growing up, you know, even though my, my parents had been divorced, it's interesting that I never felt any different from any of my, my friends at school or my classmates or my friends. And here's why. It's because a vast portion of all the, the children in my classes all had parents who were divorced or separated. In fact, I was thinking when I was preparing this teaching that virtually every best friend that I had growing up all had parents who were split up and who were divorced. And folks, here's the reason. It's because in the late 70s and the early 80s, listen, there was a huge shift in the mentality of our country towards marriage. In fact, take a look at this chart so you can see. Before 1960, before the 1970s, Divorce was a rare occurrence. Yeah, you would hear here and there, but normally you wouldn't really hear a lot of people getting divorced. But family, something happened in the late 70s and early 80s that there was an uptick, a huge uptick of divorce in our country. In fact, during this season is when the no-fault divorce was introduced into law, which allowed people to get divorced for any reason. And so consequently... Folks, a whole generation of children grew up in that time were in homes that were having a mom and dad who, who got married and stayed married started to become rare. On the other hand, seeing marriages that did not last was the norm. And so divorce almost began to be the normal progression of a marriage. And so folks, here's what happened. As the numbers of divorce increase in our country, the value of marriage in the eyes of the people began to diminish. The more the divorce took place, the lower the value of people, the lower of the value of marriage people saw. And so today we have an entire generation, many of us right here may have been raised in homes where our parents were divorced, where really we, we were raised in a generation where marriage did not hold the same value that it once had. 
Now, now family, let me just bring all that over to our time together because even though for so many people today in society, marriage does not hold the same value it once had. Listen, but in God's eyes, and here's the big idea for today. Listen, in God's eyes, marriage has great, tremendous value. In fact, God values marriage as much as the day that he created it. Who knows, maybe you're watching right now, you're thinking, well, Omar, you know, I'm single right now, I've been divorced, I'm currently married, so what does this all mean for me? You know, what does God's valuing marriage mean in my life? What does he envision for my marriage, for our marriages? Well, we're going to find out from Mark chapter 10, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 10, you can fire up your Christ Fellowship apps right now. And today I have three thoughts for you on how God values marriage and what he envisions for it, all right? So write this down as point number one. First off, you need to know that God created marriage, every marriage, to endure, to endure. Now, let's go to the passage for today. Listen to what it says. It says, and he left there, speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ, and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. And the crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up in order to test him and asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Now stop right there. Let me set up the scene for us. Because by this juncture in the Gospel of Mark, Man, the people were clinging to the teachings of, of, of Jesus. And so the religious rulers, who were the Pharisees, right, were coming to try to test the Lord to make, him sta- make a her- heretical statement. And so they posed the hot topic of the day, which was the topic of divorce. Now, in the book of Deuteronomy, if we would go back to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, God did say through Moses that a man could divorce his wife if he found some sort of indecency or uncleanliness in her. Now, as you can imagine, right, that is a very vague statement. And so during that, in that culture, in the Jewish culture, there were two views that arose really from two prestigious rabbis. And so one rabbi, whose name was Rabbi Shammai, he said, well, What indecency or uncleanliness really means is that if a wife got married to her husband and she says she was a virgin, but it turns out she wasn't, that she wasn't, then he had the right to to get a divorce. So that's what Rabbi Shammai said. Now, another rabbi, Rabbi Hillel, said, well, you know, this whole topic of uncleanliness or indecency, it's it's very liberal. So he said this, well... If the, if the husband didn't like the way that his wife cooked, you know, if, if she made those, those eggs way too runny, or maybe he didn't like the way she dressed, or maybe the way she, you know, um, her attitude in certain moments, then he had the right to divorce. And so as you can imagine, the Jews were very split on this. And most men, guess what? They sided with Rabbi Hillel. And so... Notice, all these liberal interpretations of divorce, here's what was taking place. It began to erode the value and the importance of marriage. And so here's what's their mindset. 
If me and my wife get together, if we come together in a marriage, then we have the right to break it off whenever we want. We got into it, and when things don't go as planned, we can break it off. And family, isn't it true that even today in our society, listen, many people have the same mentality that if, hey, we got together in, the, in, in a marriage, listen, when things don't go as planned, we can break it off. But here our Lord is going to remind them that marriage, it's not something that was created by, by the husband and wife, and therefore they can do as they please, but rather quite the opposite. In fact, write this down as letter A. Jesus is going to remind them that marriage is a work of God. It's a work of God. Now, listen to what Jesus tells them next. He answered them, what did Moses command you? So he poses a question back to the Pharisees. And they said, well, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, it is because of your hardness of heart that he wrote you this commandment. In other words, Moses and God, God, they knew, listen, that you were going to be pressing on this issue, so they gave you this provision. But listen carefully. But from the beginning of creation, listen, God made the male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, folks, I love this because the Lord here is reminding them that the primary actor in a marriage are not the spouses. It's not the pastor marrying the couple, but rather it is God himself. And just to help you understand a little bit, put it visually for you, in every single marriage, in every single marriage ceremony, God is the active party, and spouses are the passive party. You see, God alone is the one that brings both husband and wife together in a marriage. And so what we see at every single marriage ceremony, think about it back into your own, own marriage ceremony, wherever it was, or a marriage that you've gone to, a wedding you've gone to. Here's what happens at every single marriage ceremony. We find that there is a union that is not found anywhere else on earth. And we see that at that specific moment where they are together, God comes to not only seal that covenant that they're coming together, but in a way that we really cannot, cannot understand, God comes as a primary actor and brings that couple together and makes them one. And folks, they become one emotionally. I don't have to tell you that when things are not right with your husband or your wife, listen, you can put a facade, but things are not right inside of you. In fact, your, your spouse could be the person that makes you the happiest on earth or the saddest on earth, right? There's something special emotionally between a husband and wife. We also become one physically. You know, when a husband and wife come together sexually, what happens is even their children share a genetic makeup from both people, and they become even one spiritually. And, you know, even though God sees us as individual people, right, we have an individual relationship with the Lord, when it comes to husband and wife, he also sees them as one unit. And you see, the unbelieving world, church, 
doesn't understand this. And because of it, they just treat marriage so and divorce just so casually. And you know what's sad is even in the church today, many people forget this and they don't see marriage as the wonder that it is. You know, when you think of each other or you think of your parents and you see couples walking around, listen, we forget what a wonder, the act of God in this moment of marriage. And so you may be wondering, why does the Lord, you know, get so intricately involved with a husband and wife? You know, we don't see this type of involvement with best friends. You know, we don't see this type of involvement with business partners. So, so why does God get so intricately involved in this relationship between a husband and wife? Well, write this down as letter B. It's because marriage reveals God's gospel, the gospel of Christ. In fact, listen to what God's word says in the book of Ephesians. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And this, what's the next word? And this what? I'll come a little louder. And this what? And this mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. See, folks, don't miss this. Because for thousands and thousands and thousands of years in many cultures, people have been coming together in this thing called marriage. And they thought that the primary reason why people got married was just because two people love each other. But what the Lord here is revealing is there's a bigger purpose why he created marriage in the first place. Think about it. He did not have to create marriage. We could just live single, single people and live lives. But God created this thing called marriage. And that, and that was in order to be, to be a place where we can showcase the relationship between Christ and the church. You see, every marriage is a mini drama of the relationship between Christ and us. And if you're here today for the very first time, listen, the church is not a building. The church are people on earth who recognize their, their, sin, their sin and that their need for forgiveness of sin, and they recognize that the only salvation we can ever find is in Jesus Christ. And when we come before the Lord and we put our faith and our trust in the Lord, not only does he forgive us of all of our sins, but we start a special relationship with the Lord. Amen, family? Amen. And folks, that, is, and that relationship is, is meant really to, to, to signal, it's really, it's really dramatized in every single marriage. It may not be perfect, but it's meant to be a, 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 a picture of the perfect marriage between Christ and the church. So you see, every single marriage is a holy union engineered by God in order to reveal the gospel. And so it means, and with that being said, if God joined a couple together, then that means that no human agency or no person should ever separate them. And because of it, Write this down as big number two. God desires us to avoid divorce, amen? Avoid divorce and pursue reconciliation. Pursue reconciliation. In fact, listen to what happens next because the disciples were a little shaken at this, right? It, you know, Jesus had really shifted their view of marriage, and so they wanted to know more about this whole thing. So listen to what he says. 
And in the house, the disciple asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Now, pause right there because I know that that's a heavy statement by our Lord. And so Jesus here is being straight up with us and is helping us understand in God's eyes, divorce is a sin because it doesn't align to God's plan for our life. Now, the whole, this whole topic is pretty much not accepted in society today. And today you know, people, it's a sad thing when people get divorced, but society doesn't view it this way. And what makes it harder is that even our laws allow a person to get divorced for no reason. So, and so the reality is, that, that when God looks at divorce, it really just does break the, his heart. It breaks the heart of God and for two reasons. Prime, first of all, you know, the reality is that God loves the couple. Lo- God loves the husband. God loves the wife. And he knows, listen carefully, he knows that in the other side of divorce, listen, they're going to suffer Listen, the reality is that when people get out of a struggling marriage, they think that they're going to experience all this joy, all this relief outside of it. But the reality is that oftentimes there is more pain, there is more discouragement, there is more loneliness outside of that struggling marriage. And so the reality is that grass is not always greener on the other side. God knows that. He loves a couple. In fact, me personally, you know, I've seen so many people throughout, the, throughout my pastoral life really come to a point of divorce, and now they're living lives, they're put, putting stuff all on social media, pretending like everything's fine with the facade, but the reality is that everyone is seeing that they're not fine, that they're going through a difficult moment in their life. And so listen, if you're watching right now one of our campuses, and you already took the step of divorce, and you were experiencing the pain, the, the hurt, the discouragement that comes after a divorce. Listen, we want to help you here at Christ Fellowship. In fact, we're starting a group called Divorce Care that we're going through a curriculum that's national and that has proven to help people that are going through this difficult moment of divorce really cope with the reality of it and help them move on and restore them. And so listen, if you're in that moment you may have a facade right now like everything's fine, but if you feel like, Man, I need some help moving on from this, I would encourage you, join our divorce care group. If you go to our main website at cfmiami.org, you'll see right there that there is a banner on the top of the page that's divorce care. Click on that, fill that out, because we want to help you as a church take steps forward in your life. But listen, not only does it break the heart of God to see a divorce because of the people involved, But also because every divorce, and listen carefully here, every single divorce gives the false impression that the relationship between Christ and the church could ever be broken. See that works? See, every divorce gives the false impression that Christ will ever abandon his church. And church family, we know that Christ will never abandon us. Amen? Listen, Christ will never abandon his church. He will always be faithful. And so, and so when God sees a divorce, it gives that false impression. And perhaps you're here today, though, and you are in a marriage that is not where it was before. And there's some 
struggles in your marriage, and there's some issues in your marriage. And you're at a point right now today that really you've lost hope that anything could be restored, that anything could be rebuilt. And it's almost like you view it like when a Jenga tower falls down. In fact, let me just give you a quick visual of this of, of what I mean by that. You know, the reality is that at the outset of every single marriage, right, it's a beautiful, brand new uh, marriage, right? But here's the thing. When marriages come to a point of struggle and on the brink of divorce, that doesn't happen over time, does it? That happens little by little, moment by moment, day by day. So here's how it happens. It starts off strong, but the moment that you get into a fight, you say that one thing to that person that really hurts them. That other day, you keep saying that sarcastic comment, it starts affecting that marriage. That time that you lied to your spouse, it keeps affecting it. And little by little, fight after time, comment after comment, lie after lie. What? It starts eroding the strength of that marriage. And little by little, before you know it, you keep doing things in your marriage in the middle of fights. You keep doing things. And little by little, listen, I have to tell you, but marriages come to the point where they collapse and they are not what they used to be. They are a shadow of what they used to be. And family, when you look at your marriage and it's not what it used to be, the temptation at that moment is to lose hope and say, things are just too complex. We cannot rebuild this. I just, I don't have the energy. I don't have the power to do this. And so the temptation at that moment, folks, is just to walk away and abandon the marriage. But family, listen, that is not God's will for our life. God's will for our life is that we would fight for our marriages. Amen? Can I get amen to that? Listen, our God's desire for us, for us, listen, we know marriages are not going to be perfect. Things are going to happen, but when things get rough, what the Lord wants for you and for me is not to give up. It's not to give up, but rather is to fight to begin to rebuild that marriage. But here's the thing. The Lord also knows that there's moments in our lives that very hurtful things take place in a marriage. And so the Lord also has given us two unique moments where he allows, keyword allows, for someone to walk away from the marriage. And here they are. The first one is, write this down, it's letter A. God allows divorce in the case of adultery. Now listen to what Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew. And I said to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So the Lord does provide a way out for someone who, uh, in, a, in, a, in a marriage that there has been um, adultery, that's been unfaithful to him. And the second one is, write this down as letter B, is that God allows divorce in the case of abandonment by an unbelieving spouse. See, early on in the church, a situation came up that was really just kind of boggling people. And, this was, and it was this, that what happens when the gospel began to be preached and people came to know Christ, what happens if one, one person in the marriage comes to know Christ, but the other one doesn't? And so the big question in the early church is, so what happens there? So does that mean then that that believing spouse has a right to leave the unbelieving spouse? Well, listen to what it says God's word says in 1 Corinthians. 
It says, if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If anyone has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, a brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. And so what God was saying there, listen, if a spouse wants to walk away from the marriage because they came, the other spouse came to know Christ and they want nothing to do with them for the rest of their life, listen, let it be so God is not going to hold them accountable to that marriage. But folks, even though God allows divorce in these two unique moments, listen, that doesn't mean that divorce is automatic. It doesn't mean that whatever happens, you throw in the towel, I'm done with this, I'm walking away. You know, oftentimes divorce is, and a good analogy of it is an amputation, right? You know, re, the reality is that someone, it's like, man, you're, someone, part of you is, is, is leaving you. And so no one goes to the hospital with a pain in their leg and say, my, pain, my, my leg is hurting, cut it off. That's not the first thing that they say. They say, please, help me save my leg, amen? Right? Help me save this leg. And folks, same thing with marriage. Because when things get rough and things happen in a marriage, what honors the Lord is that you pursue reconciliation to the best of your ability. To the best of your ability. Listen, pursue reconciliation. Now, I know, right, that there's moments in life in a marriage, and it's a very complex topic, right? So I, I acknowledge that. Or maybe a home could be very toxic or perhaps there's some sense of abuse, and there's that, that's a common question. But we as pastors, what we would encourage you in those moments is, listen, is to separate for a while, for a while, but not, but not see separation as a stepping stone for divorce, but rather use a separation to work on yourself, to let God heal, but with the intention of reconciling because the biggest the big mistake that people do when they separate is that they think well my next step is simply divorce but folks God when we're in those moments we need to allow God to work and but with the intention that we want to reconcile and fight for this marriage now I know that for some of us here watching right now the reality is that there's many of us here today who have been divorced that's just a reality of life. And as you've been listening to this teaching, you've probably been thinking, well, you start thinking about that previous marriage, all that stuff that happens, and you can even become to get discouraged and just sad about the whole situation. But family, listen, let me remind you something, child of God. And that is that God's grace covers all of our mistakes. Amen, family? Is that God's forgiveness pours over us and his grace. And listen, regardless of our past, God still has a future for us. Amen? And so listen, the idea is this. Listen, if you've been divorced and now you're remarried, the idea is not that you break off your current marriage to go back to that marriage. Oh, no. Listen, now treasure that marriage, your current marriage. Make it the best that it could be so that it can last and it can endure. If you are single, if you're divorced and now single, listen, the idea is as you look now for a future partner, a future spouse, 
make sure, child of God, that that person who you marry next understands God's word, is committed, has the same mentality so that your marriage could endure. And listen, family, if you are a single mom, and let me just speak to single moms right now. Listen, sometimes we know that being a single mom could be lonely, it could be hard, it could be discouraging, but let me remind you, listen, the Lord, not only do you have a church family that loves you and that supports you, but listen carefully, listen carefully, mom, listen, you have almighty God with you every single step of the way, amen? And he will be faithful, listen, to help you raise your children, to help you move forward in life. You know, if you think about it, listen, your pastor, your lead pastor, listen, was raised by a single mom for a portion of his life. And our previous pastor, Pastor Rake, listen, he was also raised by a single mom for the portion of his life. So think about this, mom. Keep your head held high. The Lord is with you, and in the midst of it, he can do so much through you. Amen? And so be encouraged today, mom. But, listen, but if you're here today and you are married, listen, I have great news for you. In fact, write this down as big number three. God is committed to helping your marriage endure. Amen. He is committed. See, if God was the one, if God was the one who brought you together in the altar, if he was a primary actor, then listen carefully, then he will also show you the grace to keep you together. Listen, yes, a couple will endure rough moments in their life. Yes, there will be struggles in the marriage. Listen, we are imperfect people. But listen, as we go in through those hard moments in our marriages, rest assured that God is committed to helping you restore. And that should build a confidence in you to know that Almighty God is with us every step of the way. Amen? Amen. And folks, listen, the only way the only way that God is going to help you strengthen your marriage, rebuild your marriage, is always, always, always through his word. In fact, let me end with this. Going back to the Jenga game. It's interesting that at the beginning, when the, when the creator of this game made this game, he understood that the players would one day build a beautiful tower and eventually that tower will become weak, it will become affected, and it will begin to crumble. And the creator of this game knew that if you left the players by themselves to rebuild that tower, it will be very difficult. You know, they might try to rebuild the tower as best as they can, and they might make some progress, but eventually it will start crumbling down. And so he knew that the temptation for that, for those players, would be just to walk away from that tower. But you know what the creator also did? He created this guide to rebuild. You all remember this in the Jenga games? And so here's what the creator said. Listen, if you want to rebuild that tower again, if you want to strengthen that tower, you cannot do it according to your wisdom. you got to follow my guide. And so if the players would just fit the pieces of their game in the tower, they would eventually strengthen and rebuild that tower. 
And family, what an image of God's word. Amen? Because God, when he created marriage, listen, he did not just create this thing called marriage, brought people together and say, now you're on your own. Oh, no. He gave us his God, his word, that if we would fit the pieces of our marriage according to his truth, according to his word, then he would help us rebuild. And so listen, I don't know what's happening in your marriage, but if there is a sense that you want to rebuild, you want to strengthen your marriage, it has to be according to God's word. You know, it's interesting. It's easy for us to want to rebuild according to our own wisdom, according to our own knowledge, according to what Google says, according to what that coworker at work says and their thoughts and their opinion. But listen, God says, listen, if you want to rebuild your marriage, you got to do it my way. You need to put aside your pride. You need to put aside your unforgiveness. And you need to start obeying my truth. You need to start doing things my way. But pastor, listen, you don't understand. My, my spouse, they don't want to rebuild. But they don't want to rebuild according to God's ways. So what now? But listen, child of God, God has not called, asked you to obey him if your spouse obeys him as well. He's calling you to obey because you're his child. And you got to come to a point where you trust that if you start obeying the Lord, that God will work in the heart of your spouse. And so listen, you need to start keep rebuilding. And little by little, things, your, your God will start working in their hearts. And he will start leading you, and you will start obeying him little by little. You start following his commands. You start loving each other. You start praying for each other. You start forgiving each other. You start putting your pride aside. You start putting away all those things that hurt your marriage, and you do things God's way. And if you do things the way that God has asked you to do, according to his word, listen carefully, he's promised that if you follow his way, he will help you rebuild the tower that it once was. But it has to be according to his word. And so Christ Fellowship, listen, we are committed here at our church to helping you rebuild, not with worldly wisdom, but with the truth of God's word. And so here's what we're doing. Listen, whether you feel your marriage is pretty strong or whether your marriage could do a little work, listen, we all need to strive to strengthen and to make our marriages the best that it could be according to God's word. And so for, for us, listen, we are offering, again, the Love and Respect Marriage Conferences. Listen, the first two weekends of June, we're going to have our Love and Respect. And the last time that we did it, family, we've seen so many marriages restored, so many marriages strengthened. People have just, have, they have a new, just joy in their marriage because they went through it. So I want to encourage you, listen, if you would like more information about this, go to our website, cfmiami.org slash marriage, or you can just go to our main website, cfmiami.org, and at the top there's a banner that says love and respect. But listen, let me challenge you. We all need to work, you know, divorce-proof our marriages so they can endure and, and, and be everything that God envisions us to be. And so husbands, listen, if you are looking for the perfect gift for your wife on this Mother's Day, this is it. Listen, you can buy them flowers, you can buy them all these gifts, but nothing says more I love you and I'm committed to you than, than making our marriages the strongest that they could be. And I'm telling you, 
it's going to be a huge blessing for you. Whether you, By the way, this is also for singles, engaged, and marriage. But because this is a moment where we all understand the true wonder of marriage and what are the principles to make a marriage strong. Amen? So be sure to sign up. But let me end with this. You know, at the beginning of our service, we ask all the moms, we pray for all the moms. So I want to end today by praying for all the marriages. And so if you're watching online, grab your spouse's hands right now. And if you're one of our campuses, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand up if you're one of our campuses with your spouse. If you're with your spouse, go ahead and stand up right now at all campuses. And I want you to hold their hand. Maybe you haven't held their hand for a long time, but listen, hold their hand right now. In fact, I'm going to ask my wife to come up here for just a moment. And so listen, listen, families. The Lord loves you so much. God's desire is for your marriage to endure, and he can do it. So be encouraged. So today I want to just pray a blessing over us that God would give us a renewed heart and a renewed desire to making sure that our marriages is all they could be. Amen? So let me pray for us. Father, I pray for all the marriages right now, oh God that are sinning. Oh, Lord, I pray that we will never lose the wonder of what each marriage represents. And, Father, these are holy unions engineered by you. And so, Father, my prayer right now is that you would just bless every single marriage, regardless of the state. Father, I pray that you would put a renewed commitment in their heart. That whether things go well or things go through rough seasons, oh Lord, that we would be committed to enduring in our, mess, in our marriages. But Father, not using our own wisdom, using your truth. So Father, I pray for a blessing over all of us today. Father, I pray for all the children, for all the single, for all the young adults who are watching. Father, may they begin to understand the wonder that marriage is. And Father, as you solidify our marriages, oh God, Father, may we be the church that you envision us to be. God, again, I ask for a blessing over our marriages. Help us, Lord, be all that they could be. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people say, amen. amen.